welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Turn with me to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, while you're turning there, I just want you to know, uh, I really do appreciate everybody that's been asking about my mom and been praying for her. Uh, she is home. She's doing well. Uh, she's breathing good. Her heart rate's normal and everything, so um, the doctors are prescribing some things that she needs to do, and it looks like it's going to be good. So uh, I really appreciate y'all praying, and it was a miracle how God just uh, took that situation and healed her that morning, and uh, she's back at home now. So thank you so much. And um, Uh, I also want to say, um, y'all have been so gracious and kind to me all week. Thank you for uh, hosting me and uh, just being so good to me. And thank you, Pastor, for taking care of me and thinking about me all the time, and except for the 5K. That's the only thing. <laughs> so, by the way, I did, I did place in that 5K. So, here, I want you to have my award. Here, here you go. Here's my award for you. Uh, there you go. You bet. So, hey, I wouldn't have been in it if it wasn't for you. There you go. But, uh, hey, I appreciate, if y'all would, uh, tonight, uh, praying for my wife. She is uh, driving uh, my horse now from Texas to Oklahoma, meeting me up in Oklahoma City tonight. And I've got a friend of mine that's uh, flying in to pick me up so I can make it down there so I can rope in the morning at Oklahoma City at the AQHA World Show. And uh, so I'll be doing that twice in the morning and then preaching uh, while I'm there as well uh, this weekend. So y'all pray for that. Pray for a lot of people to be saved because there will be people that never go to church ever that will be there at that thing. So, um, and from all over the world. So uh, I appreciate y'all praying for that uh, event. That's, I'll be preaching on Saturday and then driving to Houston to preach on Sunday. So thank you for doing that. Uh, I want to pray and then we'll get started. Father... Thank you for such an um, incredible church, kind, generous, uh, caring church. And I just pray, God, that you bless them. I pray, Father, that, um, that many souls will be saved and from here on out, and uh, lives will be, continue to be changed and ministered to and encouraged. Bless them, Lord. Bless the, the staff, the, the pastor and, and the other pastors and the staff here, God, that you just take care of them. Thank you, Father, for them. And bless them and their families. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, for those of you that are guests here tonight and didn't hear any of my stories for the last week, um, my name is Ronnie. I'm married. I have a wife named Jennifer. And I have one son named Jake. And Jake, when he was real little, uh, we were in Sturgis, South Dakota during Bike Week. Now, I don't know if y'all are familiar with Bike Week in Sturgis, but there's Hundreds of thousands of people there. I mean, I'm talking about everybody from the Hells Angels to wannabe bankers that just bought them a Harley. I mean, you got it all there. And so we, you said, what are you doing in Sturgis, South Dakota? Because there's some people there that need, to, need Jesus. And so uh, we went out there. I mean, we don't have to feed them steak, nothing. They're just showing up at Sturgis. And so there they are. We, they're there built in. So we start telling about Jesus. And uh, the first year we did it, we had 700-something bikers saved. Next year, 800. Next year, 900. The last year we were there, we had 1,200 bikers saved. And um, so God just used that, and it's his glory. He's the one that does it. And so what happened was, uh, while we were there, uh, and my, my son, he was only about, he was, 
I don't know, he was two years old, something like that. He was little. He was little enough to be in that shopping cart, you know, and sit in the front of the shopping cart. So my wife and I went to Walmart to get some food for the week while we were there. And so Jake is in the shopping cart, the legs hanging out, you know, and my wife is pushing the, sh the shopping cart. And so we're trying to hurry up and get things done so we can get, you know, where we're supposed to be staying. And so she said, uh, hey, won't you go get this, you know, whatever it was on the list, and I'll go get this. I said, okay. We both at the same time turned around and walked away from our son. <laughs> so I I'm over in the, you know, three aisles over. I'm looking for whatever she told me to get. And so, you know, I'm, I'm in the aisle. I'm looking and stuff. And so my phone rings. I answered the phone. I said, hello? She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm getting what you told me to get. She said, where's Jake? I said, what do you mean, where's Jake? You got him. She said, I don't have him. I'm like, what, what are you talking about? So I start freaking out. I run back over to where the shopping cart is, and Jake is just sitting there screaming, crying. And there is a lady we don't even know standing beside him going, poor little boy, I can't believe. Been abandoned by his parents and stuff. And so he's crying there, and my wife comes around the corner, and she is fuming. I'm like, hey, that's not on me. That's on you. She goes, how is it my fault I lost our kid? I said, because you were pushing the cart. You don't, you don't like just take the cart and start dragging it around, right? She, she's got control. She's got the steering wheel. So it was her fault she lost our kid at Sturgis, okay? That's the first time we lost him. Second time we lost him, it was all on me. Because she wasn't there, so I, could, I couldn't blame her. It was my fault. And so what happened was my wife, you know, she's from Florida, uh, down at Cocoa Beach area. That's where she's born and raised. So uh, we, we go down there. So she's going to hang out with her parents for the day. And while she was doing that, I said, Jake was just driving me crazy. Because at the time, this time he was like six years old, something like that, maybe seven. He, he wanted to go to Disney World. And, and we had been down there a lot, you know. So been there, done that kind of deal, you know and get to stay for free at the parents' house and all that kind of stuff. And so it didn't cost as much. So I told her, I said, I'll tell you what, I'll take Jake to Disney World today, just me and him. We'll have a Daddy Sunday. She said, okay. So I take Jake to Disney World. We get to Disney World to the Animal Kingdom because he was all into dinosaurs. And, you know, he's all, I mean, he could name every dinosaur, their bone. I, you just show him bones, he could tell you what kind of dinosaur it was, all that. I mean, he knew them. And so... He wanted to go to the dinosaur park. I said, he just kept on. Before we even got out of the car. He's like, I'm going to go see the dinosaurs. I'm going to go see the dinosaurs. I said, all right, buddy. I said, so hang on just a second. I said, listen. Now, and, and like I said, he's probably about, he's probably six. Probably about six years. I said, all right, listen, here's the deal. Mommy's not here. So she's not here because then there would be four eyes looking at you. I said, now today there's only two, just me. I said, so there's a bunch of people here. you got to stick with Daddy. You cannot leave Daddy. Do you, do you understand that? Yes, sir, Daddy. I don't see the dinosaur. I don't see the dinosaur. I said, no, but you, you can't go. You have to be with me the whole time. You cannot leave my side. Do you understand that? Yes, sir, Daddy. Yes, sir, Daddy. Let's go see the dinosaur. Let's go see the dinosaur. I said, all right. So we go in there. We walk in the gates. As soon as we walk the gates, he knew exactly where they were. You got to hang a right. And we go to the right to the dinosaur area, okay? First thing in the dinosaur area is this big, huge cage. It's like a rope cage made out of ropes and stuff. And it's totally, I mean, it's closed in. You can see through it, you know, through the ropes and all that. But the kids, they can't get out. So it's real, it's a good place for parents to take them and stuff. Because all you got to do 
is you just stand, you go in the entrance and just stand at the entrance, and they can't go anywhere because, I mean, one way in, you've got to come out the same way. So you can't lose your kid there, you know. So that's what I'm thinking. So I go in there, and there's like ropes, bridges, dinosaur tracks. You step on them, they roar, you know. There's jeeps, they can get in and act like they're driving. There's caves, there's all kinds of stuff. So we go in there. He says, Daddy, can I go? Can I go? I said, yeah. I'm thinking, this is good. He's caged in. He's not getting out. So I'm sitting about the time, phone rings. So I answered the phone. I said, hello. It's a pastor. Pastor's wanting to book me for a revival in the future and stuff. So we start talking. I'm starting with pastor. And I'm watching Jake. He goes up these ladders and stuff and on the bridge and through the woods and all that. And he comes down, gets in the Jeep, steps on the dinosaur tracks. And then he goes into this cave. He goes right in the cave, and I'm like talking to pastor, yes, sir. My eyes have not got off of him the entire time. I'm watching him the whole time. I see him going in that cave, and I'm sitting there, yes, sir, uh-huh, great. And where are you located, all that? And about, about that time, so now my son has been in this cave, and kids have come in and out, and my son has not come out. Now, y'all have to understand something. My son's attention span is uh, 10 seconds. If there's not something that like a video game he can play in there, he's done. I know there's no video game in there. So now I'm starting to be aware and I'm realizing something's going down, okay? And so he, like, one minute, two minute, no, Jake, three, three minutes now, I said, Pastor, I'm sorry. I'm at Disney World. I just lost my son. I got to find him. I'm sorry. Bye. I hang up. Now, I have noticed, now that we've lost our kid a couple times, I have noticed that parents go through these stages when they lose their kids, all right? Now, especially mamas, but it starts off like this. For a daddy, it's like you lose your kid, it's like one eyebrow raised, like, huh? You know, you just kind of like, huh? Like, uh, I don't think he's around, kind of deal. And then there's a second level of, of, of being aware that you lost. And it's kind of like, you know, both eyes, you know, wide open, like, I think I've really lost my kid. Something's going down. And so there's like another level of awareness and of urgency. And then there's like stage three. This is DEFCON three. And I realize, you know, and it's this stage is you start freaking out. And it's if I don't find my son, my wife's going to kill me stage. That's, that's the deal. And I noticed that men hit those three levels, but women don't. Women just go, you lose a kid, boom, DEFCON three immediately. Not men. It takes us a little bit to get there. So I'm at this DEFCON 3 freaking out. I've lost my kid. I run into that cave, the last place I saw him. I get down. Do y'all understand? It's for the dwarfs, the little, you know, the little um, sleepy, you know, all that. The go, go. So it's this tall. So grown people are not supposed to go in there. I get down on hands and knees. I'm crawling through there like this right here. And little kids are freaking out. Mama, Dad, there's a man in here. There's a man and so I didn't care. I didn't care. And so I, I'm looking in there. I'm, I'm looking in like, it's, and you can't stand up. It's like I'm, I'm walking through there. Jake, Jake. He's not in the cage. Th then I realized, uh-oh, there's a back door to this cave that I did not know was there. This back door to this cave goes over, and there's a bridge. And the bridge is hidden from the front entrance. And because it's got these, like, posts that are all up hiding the bridge. The bridge goes over. There are thousands of people walking underneath this bridge. I start freaking out thinking, Man, a pedophile has got my son here at Disney World. And so they snuck him out the back, and you know, and I'm like, he's throwing him in a van. I don't know what's happening. I'm starting like, Jake! I'm running across the bridge. Jake! Jake! 
I get over on top of the other side of the bridge, and there is a huge sand pit on the other side of the bridge. And there's these mammoth bones all in here, and there's hundreds of little kids with little buckets and shovels. And they're digging in that sand looking for those bones. And I look through there, and I see my son, Jake. I go running down to him. I just tackle him. I said, Jake, Jake. He's looking at me like, what are you doing? Would you, would you quit freaking out? All I'm doing is digging for some dinosaur bones. You know, that's what he's acting like. And I'm like, Jake, Jake, Jake. I didn't care that my son disobeyed me. I was just glad I had him. That same principle is found in Luke chapter 15. Is that God doesn't care what you've done, how far you've gone away from him, what, you, what has happened in your life spiritually. He just wants a relationship with you today and wants to change your life forever. Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a story about how God feels about you. And here's what he says. In Luke 15 verse 11, he tells a story. And it's, it's told that it's the greatest story ever told. He says this. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one had said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them, and not long after that, the younger son got up, uh, got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there he squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pies that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Now, what does Jesus want us to get from this story? First of all, there's some things you need to know about the far country. Verse 13 talks about that when he left, he, he took off and went to the far country. Now, that is not what's... What, you need to know a couple things that's you know, not unusual about the story. First of all, it, uh, Jewish law... It's not unusual for them to divide the inheritance. The younger son would get only a third, and the oldest son would get two-thirds. So the oldest son always got more than the youngest son. Okay? So dividing the inheritance wasn't that big a deal. What was unusual about this story was that the younger son asked for the money before the dad died. Yeah. So basically, here's what the youngest son, just so you can get a glimpse of this dude, of what he's doing. Basically, he's saying, hey, Dad, uh, listen, I've been waiting for you to die for a long time, and uh, you're, not, you're not dying on me, you're not croaking, so I'm tired of waiting. I want my money, and I want it now. That, that young punk, his dad should have just beat the snot out of him. That's what he should have done. But this, that's what shows us about this story, is that because God's incredible love he showed his love for his son. Even though he didn't deserve the money, he gave it to him anyway. That's the kind of love God has for you and God has for me. So what, what's he do when he gets all the money? He takes off for the far country. Now, my question is, why did he do this? Why did the youngest son take off to a far country? Because here's the deal. He's in a good, good home. It, it wasn't like he wasn't getting abused. He, he wasn't getting beat every day. He wasn't like, you know, I'm not going to give you any food or clothing or shelter or nothing like that. Dude, he had fine clothes. He lived in a great house, had a loving father, caring father. He had anything he wanted. Why would he leave this kind of home? 
Because he believed the same lie many of you are believing today. And that lie is that life without God looks like freedom. And he believed life without his father, there would be, he'd be free. I'd be free. I'd be able to do whatever I want to, and, and life would be great. You're believing the same lie. You said, but Ronnie, I'm not like this younger son. Because, Ronnie, I've grown up in church all my life. You know what the Bible says? In Romans chapter 1, verse 25 says, They exchanged the truth of God for a lie, and they worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Amen. You said, but Ronnie, that's, I'm not like that. That's not me. Oh, oh, yes, it is. It is you. Because here's the deal. There have been many of you, because you, you, you said, well, but Brian, I'm not out in a far country. Hey, the far country, it's not determined by distance. Do you know that young kid, the young son? He was living at his dad's house, and he had already mentally and emotionally checked out from his father. There are many of you in church all the time, and you have emotionally checked out from the father. You're spiritually, you're just not here. Hey, let me tell you something. This, this is what breaks the Father's heart. We've been having a revival all week long. All week long. Not one believer has come here during the invitation at the altar to pray. Nobody broken over lost souls. Nobody broken over what's going on in their home, in their marriage, in their own life spiritually. You've emotionally checked out. You're in the far country. Some of you, you haven't just had church shoved down your throat and so you just turned it off. Some of you have been burned by church people. So somebody's hurt you, said something to you, offended you. So what do you do? You say, hey, forget this. I'm chunking all this. I'm not, I'm not going to worship this God. Maybe you're mad at him because somebody that you love died early. And you're mad at him. And you're saying, hey, forget you. You don't hear my prayer? Forget you, God. You're in the far country. And others of you think God's a killjoy. Think God doesn't want you to have any fun. So what do you do? Say, forget God. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to have fun. He ain't going to tell me what to do. Hey, I don't care how you got there, but you're in the far country. And you need to know some stuff about the far countries. Because, see, some of you are going, well, Ronnie, you know, that's a, that's a great little Bible story. But that has nothing to do with today. Oh, you don't think it has something to do with today? Y'all want something current events, what's going on right now today? This other stuff? How about, um, how about Tiger Woods? Okay, Tiger Woods is one of the greatest golfers of all time. I mean, multiple championships. Was worth $1 billion. What, had a beautiful wife, beautiful kids. Guess what? In multiple championships, knocking endorsements and all this stuff. Wasn't enough for him. So what did he do? Went chasing. Woman after woman. One wasn't enough. Two at a time. More. Three. Whatever. Started doing all this stuff. Got busted. Got caught. All blew up in his face. You say, oh, but he's still a millionaire. Uh, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, his wife took half his money. $500 million. His endorsements, a bunch of them bailed on him. Uh, but guess what? He hasn't won another major championship since that happened. And let me tell you something else. Something that he lost that I would never, I don't care how much you tried to pay me to give this up, I would never give this up. 
He lost the ability to pray with his kids every night and put them to bed in his own house. It blew up. You know how, and, and I'm not trying to talk about him. This is public knowledge. This is what was on the news. He even said when they interviewed him, here's what they said. After he went to rehab and all that, supposedly come out. Do you know how Tiger Woods says he was going to solve everything? He was going to start Buddha meditation. Has that worked? Listen, you can try all this other stuff. You can run to all these Hollywood you know, gurus and all that stuff, but I'm going to tell you something. None of that's going to satisfy. No, you want to be satisfied? Run to Jesus. Run to Jesus. He's the only one that can satisfy and put your life back together. Nobody else. You said, but well, what, what, what happened? What happened to this kid in this story? Well, like a lot of people. So here, you want to see what happens when this kid hits town? Well, he hits the town. Oh, he's popular, right? I mean, he's got the money. He's got all, so he's got a bunch of friends. He's got the girls. Got a condo down on the beach. Got a Ferrari. He's living viva loco, having a great time. Then what happens? It might take a couple of years. It might take three, four, whatever. But he runs out of money. And not only did he run out of money, he was broke, got kicked out of his condo, repoed his car. He's on the streets. And it's the worst time you could be on the streets. There was famine in the whole country. There was no food. There was no jobs. Nothing. So what did he do? He finally got a job. You know what kind of job he got? Feeding pigs. Now, for those of y'all that, you know, uh, oh, that's no big deal. You know, we had pulled pork the other day. Was, uh, I, I know pork's the other white meat and stuff, but y'all got to understand the situation with this dude feeding pigs, okay? For a Jewish boy, the Moses Law, you couldn't sacrifice a pig, you, you couldn't eat a pig, and not only that, you couldn't touch a pig. And this joker is not only touching the pigs, he is in a pig pen feeding them, and he's so hungry, he's wishing that he could eat these hard pods that these pigs are eating. That's how hungry he is. That you're, our, We couldn't even digest them. Our, we, our, our stomachs couldn't digest these pods, and he's wanting to eat them. Now, that, that still, I know it doesn't blow your mind because there's a bunch of y'all never even had a, you know, raised a pig. I raised pigs when I was in school. All right, when I was in high school, FFA, raised pigs. Hamps, Chesters, Crosses, raised all those pigs. Showed them in FFA. Y'all don't get what I'm talking about. Pigs stink. Do, do y'all understand what I'm saying? I'm, I'm talking about, oh, not like, oh, that, like, oh, that didn't smell good. No, I'm talking about... When you pull up to their pen and you go to feed, they got this slop that they have. And they make their own slop. I don't know how they do it. I don't know if they when we're gone, you know, they throw a little water in there with their nose and get around and rub around, get the slop. And so they would have slop up to your knees. You can get in there with rubber boots, feed them, get out, and that smell just attaches to you. And, it just, and it's like if you go sit down in that chair, you know, normal people, if you... You work and you sweat and stuff. You sit down and you get up and, you know, no big deal. Pig smell, you sit down, you get that stuff on you, and you get up, it stays there. The stank stays. It don't go nowhere. That's how bad. So this guy is in this pig pen, stinking, slop, 
smelling, starving to death, thinking, man, I would want to eat some of that stuff right there. That looks good. That, maybe that just filled my stomach because my stomach's hurting so bad. He said, Ronnie, how in the world did this young kid let it get that bad? You want me to tell you how? Listen, right here. You want me to tell you how? Because sin makes you dumb. It's that simple. Sin makes you dumb. I have seen spouses leave their spouse for somebody else, some fling, and it blows up in their face because they thought the grass was greener on the other side of the fence, and it blows up in their face. I'm going to tell you something. Sin makes you do dumb stuff. That's what he did. A few things you need to know about the far country. First of all, uh, you don't get there by accident. Do you see where, he set, where the Bible says? Jesus said he set out for that country. Do you know what that means? It means it was on purpose. And some of you are sitting there and you're in your lifestyle of sin and you're like, oh, dude, I don't know how I got here. I just, I just end up doing it. Oh, no, just, just kind of just right, just happened. No, you set out on purpose for that far country, for that lifestyle of sin, for that junk. You did it on purpose. It's not an accident, it happens. Not only that, you get there, you lose everything. Do you see this young guy? He lost all of his food, things, possessions, everything. Lost it all. And not only that, what happened to him? Far country living, you think it's going to be awesome? It doesn't satisfy. This dude realized all the money goes out, he's not satisfied. Look at Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods having affair after affair after affair. With, I'm not talking about with just slouches. I'm talking about with tens, models, all that, one after another, multiple. And then, still wasn't enough. It doesn't satisfy. And you think you're going to do something better than Tiger Woods? I don't think so. Because you don't have the money that Tiger Woods does. You think that's going to satisfy the drinking, the partying, the drugs? You will never get enough that he does. And it didn't satisfy. And it blew up in his face. It doesn't do it. You say, well then, what, how, how did he get out of the mess? Uh, I'm glad you asked. Look in verse 17. This is probably my favorite phrase in the Bible. And here's what it says. I don't know how it says it. Yeah, it says, in, uh, what, that's Holman version. And in the NIV, it says the same thing. It says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my fa father's hired hand have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. It's amazing how complex issues can all of a sudden be so simple and crystal clear. He is in the sin, in the junk, in the pig pen, and he's like, I'm, I'm sitting here starving, won't eat one of these pig pods, but, but the dudes at my father's house that work for my dad are eating steak. How dumb is this? He came to his senses. He finally realized life outside of his father's home is ridiculous. I told y'all my wife is from Florida. And uh, so that same weekend that we lost my son, at, 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 uh, let me rephrase that, that I lost my son 
at Disney World was the same weekend we went down there. It was during July 4th weekend. And so I don't know how y'all roll up here in Kentucky, but in Texas, we shoot some big fireworks. And, and I'm not talking about those little pop rocks. You know, you throw a little pop rock on the ground, pop. Oh, he, 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 he. I'm not talking about that stuff. We, we shoot them powder kegs. They're about that big around. Hey, would y'all light this place up? Just light it up like a Christmas tree. This whole, there you go. So, oh, not that. <laughs> just, just this up here. There you go. So, <laughs> I'm sorry, that was my miscommunication. So, so anyway, so what happened was, um, we're down there, and, and my mother-in-law decides she's going to go get the fireworks. And I'm like, hmm. No, 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 you know, I don't want her to go get the fireworks because, you know, she doesn't know fireworks like we do. And so, but, but I can't say nothing because it's her house, her rules. I got to keep my mouth shut. So I'm like, oh. So she goes and gets fireworks. You know where she went and got them? Grocery store. <laughs> Package of fireworks. Had them little pop rocks in it, you know, little things. Uh, Girls had them little sparklers, like, oh, you know how you write your name? And you go like, oh, all that. All those little cute little things. Yeah, do, do you know what the grand finale was in this package of fireworks? Wasn't like at our house. Our house, we got them powder kegs, about that big around, about that tall. You drop them in a tube, you shoot them, they go 300 feet up in the air. I'm talking about those, all right? Not in this package. In this package, the grand finale was the chicken. Do y'all know the chicken? Uh, If you've never seen the chicken, basically, you can almost hold it in your hand and you can light it and it shoots colored eggs out of its rear. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. So, so here it is. Jake is expecting some big old boom, 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 because we're shooting fireworks July 4th, and I'll bust out that chicken. I light it. Jake's all focused in on He's looking at it. I light blue egg, red egg, green egg, sparks, smoke. Jake looks at the chicken, looks up at me. He has this look on his face like, are you kidding me? <laughs> he, he's re- and and I, I, know, I know my son. I know he's about to say something. I said, Jake, shh, don't say nothing. It's going to hurt your mimi's feelings. He's all sad. Looks down at the ground. Starts walking back to the house. Like that. I'm like, oh. Oh, poor little man. He, he didn't get to see any real fireworks. I felt so sorry for him. We leave Florida the next day. Drive back to Texas. 17-hour drive. The entire drive home. All I could think about was my son's face and that chicken. That's all I thought about. Playing it over and over and over in my mind again, again, again. We pull in the driveway into Fort Worth, Texas, 10 o'clock at night. My son's in the back seat, and he's asleep. I lean back, and I said, Jake, wake up, buddy. We're home. He's like, "Mm, okay, Daddy. I said, Jake, 
think I got some fireworks. You want to shoot some real fireworks? He lights up like the 4th of July. <gasps> can we, Daddy? Can we, Daddy? I said, I think I got some left over in the garage from last year. Yeah, Daddy, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. My wife's in the front seat, pops up. Honey, it is 10 o'clock at night. We have been driving all day long. I got to get him a bath, put him in his jammies, and put him to bed. I said, all right, honey, no problem. You go get him his bath, put him in his jammies while you're doing that. I'll go outside in the garage. I'll look. I'll find the fireworks. I'll meet you out front. We'll shoot him in the, in the front. He'll be gone. He'll be, go to bed. She said, well, you better hurry. I said, just go. I go in that garage. I don't know about y'all's garage. Ours is messed up. I got junk everywhere. Okay, and it's 10 o'clock at night. I can't see in there real good. I'm, I'm looking in there. I'm looking for those fireworks and stuff. I found one powder keg. You know the big one? About that big around, about that tall? But I couldn't find the tube to put it in to shoot it out of. I am looking all over that garage for that tube. And I'm looking and I'm looking. About 15 minutes goes by. My wife comes in there and says, okay, he's in his jammies. He's at his bath. He's ready. You ready? I said, hey, honey, you, you haven't seen that, um, that tube to shoot that, that powder keg out of, have you? She goes, oh, you don't have it? Okay, I'm putting it in bed. I said, I was just asking. She said, well, you better hurry. I said, go. She goes out on the front porch. I'm thinking, I, I, we're shooting this thing tonight. I, I've got to shoot this thing. He was disappointed in Florida. I am not disappointing him here at home in Texas. We are shooting this thing tonight. I'm looking around my garage. I look over there, and I see my leaf blower. I didn't even say nothing yet. So my leaf blower has three tubes. They're two foot long each. You screw one to the other to the other so it's long enough so it goes all the way around and blows your leaves. I look around and I'm like, hmm, that ought to work. I know it's a little bit bigger round than the tube we normally shoot it out of, but I'm thinking it still should shoot it straight. That's the main thing. I want to shoot it straight. I don't want to shoot my neighbors, nothing like that. So I'm thinking that ought to work. So I screw that, that tube. I go out to the front. Our house is 70 feet from the road, Okay. So my wife and son are on the front porch. I go out to the road out there by a mailbox, and we live in the subdivision at the time. And I put that tube right there in the middle of the road because there's no cars coming. It's 10 o'clock at night, you know, that kind of thing. So I put that, put that tube right there, drop the powder keg in it. It comes out perfect. I mean, like one inch of that fuse coming out the top of that thing. I'm like, this is perfect. It's, it's going to work. Right before I get to light that puppy, Texas wind starts blowing. <laughs> so that thing starts rocking on the road, back and forth like this right here, and it's doing this. I'm like, ooh, that's not good. I'm going to light it. It's going to fall over. It's going to shoot my neighbor's house. It's going to catch it on fire. I'm going to go to jail tonight. I can't go to jail tonight. i got to do something. So I start looking in the ditch. I'm looking for sticks, rocks, anything to put at the base of that tube so it won't fall over. And I hate to tell you all this. This, this wasn't that long ago. And it wasn't like I was a kid. This was, I was a grown man. And so... I'm looking in the ditch. My wife's on the front porch. She said, if you don't hurry, I am putting him to bed right now. I said, I am ready. Just wait. I get over there. I get down. I put that thing right between my feet. Now, y'all have to understand something. We just got back from Florida. So I have flip-flops on and shorts. Okay? So... I got that thing between my feet to hold up so it won't fall over. So I leaned back. I said, Jake, you ready? Jake, shoot it, Daddy, shoot it. I take that punk, and I light that fuse. As soon as I light that fuse, it goes straight inside the tube. 
as soon as that fuse got inside that tube, this little light went off inside my head. Ding! What are you doing? You have got a rocket between your legs. I start freaking out. I'm like, but I can't do anything. This thing has been in my garage for a year. So I don't know if it's a fast fuse. I don't know if it's a slow fuse. I can't like take it off because it can blow up my face. So I can't do that. So I start like, I'm leaning back about this time. Do you know when the space shuttle takes off? You know all the fire and smoke starts going like that? That's what is happening at my feet. All of a sudden, all this like that. I'm like, about that time it launches. And it's slow motion. And it doesn't go 300 feet up in the air like it's supposed to go. It goes 10 and it's this big red ball of fire. And it just like goes. And it's just hanging there, 10 feet in the air. And I'm like, that's cool. I've, I've never seen it do that before. That's pretty cool. Then all of a sudden, it starts losing altitude. It starts coming back down. I start freaking out again. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. I'm trying to get up. I, I can't get up. It's too late. It's coming down. I've got to take cover. I hit the ground. It hits behind me. <laughs> explodes. I can't hear a thing. My ears are ringing. There is two foot across our entire subdivision, and my back is on fire. Hey, I remember, hey, little kids, I remember when, you know, firemen come to our school. You ever catch on fire, you do what? You stop. I've stopped, I'm dropped, I start rolling. I roll off the ditch, I'm trying to put myself out. My, my wife, this is no joke, my wife comes running up to me. She is laughing her head off at me. She's like, what are you doing? I'm rolling around this, I'm on fire, I'm on fire, put me out, put me out. She goes, you are not on fire. I said, yes, I'm on fire, put me out. I felt like Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights. I said, I'm over here. She goes, no, you're not on fire. I said, yes, I am. But at the time, our son yells from the front porch, Dad, are you dead? We, we both yelled back at the same time, no, I'm not dead. She said, get out of that ditch. You're going to embarrass me. All the neighbors are going to see you roll around like a fool. Get out of the ditch. I said, but I'm on fire. She goes, no, you're not. I said, yes, I am. I get up. My back is killing me. You can see a, a black chalk outline on the road of my body where I got blown up right there. I go in the house, I get in front of our mirror, I pull my shirt up. On my back, right when I pull my shirt up, I had two whelps the size of my fist, and my skin was wet from where my back was burned. And I said, see, I told you I was on fire. But here's the deal. You say, what in the world are you telling that ridiculous story for? Because when I was sitting there, and I had that rocket between my legs. And that little light went off inside my head, telling me what I was doing was dumb. I couldn't do anything about it. It was too late. I was stuck. I couldn't get up. If I got up, it'd fall over, shoot my neighbor's house, catch it on fire, go to jail tonight. It could fall over, shoot my kid, and send him to the hospital. I was stuck. I made a bad decision, and I couldn't do anything about it. But here's the difference between you and me right now. That little light going off inside your head telling you what you're doing is wrong, 
that sin, that lifestyle, that thing away from God for our country, all that junk, you can stop now before it's too late. You don't have to be like that young son who lost it all, hit rock bottom in the pig pen. You can stop now before you ruin your life and before you ruin your family's life. It's not too late. He came to his senses and was changed. You can come to your senses right now, right here tonight. Because if you don't, you're going to cost yourself a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of problems, and it doesn't have to be that way. This young man, he got out of his mess. He got out of the pig pen. You know what he did? Not only did he come to his senses, let me show you what else he did. Look with me, he said this. He realized, first of all, in verse 18, he said, I will set out and I'll go back to my father. And I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. First of all, he realized it was good living with his father. I just want you to know this. Uh, you know, a lot of you think, oh, this church thing, that relationship with Jesus, you know, th- that's not any fun. Hey, it is good living with the Father. It is good having a relationship with him. You know what? When you're in the center of his will, when you're doing what he wants, you don't have to worry about, oh, did I get that person pregnant? You don't have to worry about, am I going to lose it all because I'm, I'm doing all this gambling and I'm losing everything i got? You don't have to worry about stuff like that. You don't have to worry. When you're living in perfect will with him, you don't have to worry about junk like that. It's good living with the Father. He loves you, wants a relationship with you, wants to reveal himself to you. But not only that, he also, he repented and asked for forgiveness. Let me tell you something. You cannot come back to the Father if you're not willing to get up and repent and ask for forgiveness. Listen. He could have felt bad about his situation. He could have thought, you know what? Man, this is bad living in this pig pen. You know, I'm starving and stuff, and all my people work for my dad. They're eating steak. But if he didn't do nothing about it, guess what? He'd still be in the pig pen. But he realized, hey, I don't want this anymore. I want to be with my father. I want to be in his house. So listen, this lifestyle that you're in, whether you've been trying to find grass green on the other side of the fence by chasing a fair after a fair, whether you've just been living the viva loco, being away from God, you don't do my own thing, God's not going to tell me what to do, the church isn't going to tell me, I'm not going to do with all that stuff. Hey, listen, I'm just going to tell you something. You can continue to stay in your sin and be miserable, or you can do something about it tonight. Get up and repent and ask for forgiveness from God. Those two choices. It's that simple. You can come to your senses tonight. I want you to see what else he did. He got up and went. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to do something about it. You said, but Ronnie, God won't forgive me of my stuff. That's the whole purpose he's telling the story. You want to see how the father responded to his son, who was a young punk, who should have been the snot beat out of for even asking for half his inheritance or a third of his inheritance? You, you know, that's what he should have done. Do you know what the father's response to that was? Here's what he said. Verse 20. So he got up, the younger son, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, 
his father saw him, was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him. He kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine. He was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and he's found. So they began to celebrate. I want you to tell, I want to tell you something. Because some of you think, God won't forgive me. Hey, you do not have to be perfect to come to the Father. The younger son, do you know the father, when he saw him coming, he didn't say, hey, uh-uh. Uh-uh, you took my money, big boy. No, you want to be a man? Go ahead. Live your own lifestyle. Go be a man. Go get you some, You want something? Go get some of it. Didn't say that. He didn't say, hey, uh, boy, listen. You want to do that to me? Disrespect me in front of this whole community because they all know about it? No. You go to rehab for a year, get yourself clean, get a job, then you can come back to me. He did not do that. He took his stink and all. His nasty, pig-smelling, sinning stuff. Ran to him, threw his arms around him, welcomed him, loved on him. That's what the Father wants to do for you. That's how much he loves you. You can't, you can't be perfect. You can't go clean yourself up and then come to the Father. You come just as you are. And he'll forgive everything you've ever done. And not only that, guess what? God's not going to force you to come to him. Did you see the Father? He didn't, ha- he didn't send a hit team after his son when he took off and went to, you know, wasting his money. He didn't do that. No. Father said, hey, you want to do that? That's your choice. I don't want you to. I love you. I want you to come back. But he didn't make him. God's not going to force you to come to him. You have to choose. You have to choose that you want him. That you don't like this lifestyle, this pig pen that you're in. That you want peace, freedom, purpose, and meaning. And not only that, let me show you what else that can happen. Do you see what the father did to him? He instantly restored him to sonship. He put a robe on him, a ring on his finger. He threw a, a, a sandals on his feet and threw a party had a fatted calf killed for him. He said, hey, you're my son. Nothing's changed. That's what God wants to do for you. Tonight, you can walk out of here being instantly changed. Tonight, right here. Peace, forgiveness, cleansing. Not only that, eternity in heaven. If, if you don't have a relationship with him, you can have that tonight. And you say, Ronnie, he, he'll really forgive me? Yes, he'll forgive you. Not because you work for it, not because you earn it, but because his own son, Jesus, died on a cross to pay for every single one of your sins and my sins. And if you're willing to admit that you sinned against God, you're willing to come say, I, I, yes, I'm repenting, I'm turning from that, I want a relationship with you. He will forgive you of everything you've ever done. Say, so, Ryan, I've never done that before, I want to. Then I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Can you do me a favor? Can you give me two minutes? Nobody get up, nobody leave. If you're here tonight, say, Ronnie, I have never had a relationship with the Father. I've never been his son. I want him to adopt me as his own son or own daughter tonight. If you like that, then he'll forgive you of everything if you repent and believe in him. I'm going to give you a chance to do it right now. You can pray that prayer right where you're seated and invite him into your life and let him change you. Can you do me a favor? Can you... Bow your heads and close your eyes just for a couple minutes. With heads bowed and eyes closed, you say, Ryan, that's me. I've never done that before. 
I've never invited Christ to come to my life, then pray this prayer with me right now, right where you're seated. Just silently with me to God, and you invite him to come into your life. Pray this prayer. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner, and I know I've messed up, and I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. And God, I turn from my sins, and I invite you into my life to be my boss, my Lord, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for me, and thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Now, with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking around. I'm not going to come to you and embarrass you or call you out. I just want to pray for you. If you're here tonight, and it doesn't matter whether you're a visitor or whether you're a member of this church, you say, Ronnie, I just prayed that prayer, and I just invited Jesus to come to my life. If you just prayed that prayer with me, would, with heads bowed and eyes closed, would just those that prayed that prayer, would you just look up at me right now and let me catch your eyes and say, Ronnie, that's me. All right, all right, all right, okay. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else right here? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else in this section right here? Got you, buddy. Anybody else over here on this side right here? Say, Ron, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. Back here, yes, sir. Anybody else through here? Over here in this section right here? Say, Ron, that's me. I just prayed that prayer. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else through here? Yes, sir. Over here on this far side right here? All right, with just those that prayed that prayer, just keep looking up just for a second. Everybody else's heads bowed and eyes closed. I just want to share something with you from the Word of God real quick for just those of you that prayed that prayer. I want you to know this. According to what the Bible says, God has forgiven you of everything you have ever done. Just like he accepted his son home, he accepts you home. And so he's saying, I forgive you, I'm cleansing you, I'm restoring you. So you say, okay, so what am I supposed to do? Now that you've invited Christ to come to your life, you're to take a stand and let everybody know. You say, what's that mean? Jesus, the one who died on the cross to take care of all your sins, to pay for them, to wipe them out, Jesus said in Matthew 10, 32, and 33, he said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father who's in heaven. He says, if you don't confess me before men, I will not confess you before my Father who's in heaven. It's imperative that you take a stand for him right now tonight. You say, how do I do that? Here's what's going to happen. In just a second, we're going to stand with heads bowed and eyes closed all over this building. When we stand, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, all of you that prayed that prayer and you invited Christ to come to your life, pastor's going to be standing right there. I'm going to be standing right there. We have the, Our youth pastor will be up here as well. We have another pastor, Brother David. He's going to be over here. All of you that prayed that prayer, you come to one of these pastors, you say, what, is, what am I supposed to do? All we're going to do is we're going to introduce you to a person called an encourager. They're going to take you right out the side. They're going to pray with you. They're going to give you material. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to give you a Bible. But you start a spiritual journey with God today, we'll help you grow and get to know him. And you're not to be ashamed of him. Okay? So you say, but Ronnie, I'm, I'm a member of another church. I'm just visiting tonight. Hey, we're not trying to steal you from your church. You go somewhere else on a regular basis, you go back to your church. But you're coming forward tonight to say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Just like the young son had to get up and get out of that pig pen and go to his father. You have to get out of your seat, come forward and say, I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. Okay? Could everybody do me a favor? Could everybody look up at me real quick? Everybody look up. 
All of these folks that just prayed that prayer and invited Christ to come in their life, not only do they need to come forward and make a public stand, but all of you that prayed that prayer, you need to follow through and be scripturally baptized tonight too. And now, I want you to know something. There are a lot of you that need to do the same thing. That you prayed to receive Christ on Sunday morning or Sunday night, maybe Easter when the pastor was preaching, maybe you did it online sometime, and you have never made it public. Let me just tell you what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that once you invite Christ to come to your life, you are to follow through and immediately get baptized to identify with Him. Baptism does not save you. just want everybody to know that. Baptism doesn't save you. It just lets everybody else know you've been saved. See, you say, so why do you Baptists, why do y'all, you know, baptize in the water, and y'all go underwater, and y'all come up, you know, some churches, all they do is they, they just do a little sprinkling stuff. That's a lot easier and quicker and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we do it because it's biblical. That's what the Bible teaches. So whether you have a Catholic Bible, Protestant Bible, just want you to know, in your Bible, in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, when it talked about baptize, the Greek word is baptizo, which means to literally immerse. So every single person in the Bible that gave their life to Christ, they were baptized immediately, right then and there when they did it, and they were immersed. You say, why were they baptized that way? Because they all understood what the symbol meant. Here's the symbol. When you get baptized, when you give your life to Christ, you're to follow through and be baptized. When you go underwater, it's a symbol. Your old nature, sin, junk, it's buried. Just like Jesus, when they took him down from the cross, they buried him in a grave. When you come up out of the water, it's a symbol you're a new person in Christ. Just like Jesus rose from the dead, you raised to live a new life. Like this ring. This ring didn't make me love my wife. It wasn't something magical. I already loved her when I walked down the aisle. This ring is just letting everybody else know I've committed my life to her and her alone for the rest of my life. That's the way it is with baptism. Baptism is just a symbol letting everybody know that you're now a follower of Jesus Christ. And guess what? Jesus... When they talked about, you know, he was baptized, he didn't get baptized to get forgiveness of sin. He's the son of God. He was perfect. He was sinless. He just did it to set the example for us and to let us know what we're to do. But guess how he was baptized? Jesus was baptized by immersion. Same Greek word for when Jesus was baptized is the same word as used in Romans 6, 3 and all, all the other times, every single time somebody was baptized. And it was all immediate. So we're not going to put it off. You said, but Ronnie, man, I can't. Man, I, I, I really meant that I gave my life to Christ, but I can't get baptized tonight. Hey, yes, you can. You know why? Because guess what? We got you some drawers. We got drawers for you. Now, just want you to know, no, pastor. Pastor's about to take a picture and put it on Facebook. Don't, hey, just so you know, those are fake drawers. I mean, they're real drawers, but... Uh, those are just funny. We, we got real ones that are like solid black and stuff like that. We have all sizes of drawers. We got big drawers, little drawers, little bitty. We got all kinds. And nobody's business has been in those drawers. And all of that, we got you brand new t-shirt as well. And we have a towel. So you have no excuse. You can get baptized right here tonight on the spot. And just like they did in the Bible. Every single time somebody gave their life to Christ, them and their whole family get saved, them and their whole family all get baptized right then and there. So we're going to do that. We're going to do it right here tonight. And so, hey, some of you, listen, some of you have never been scripturally baptized. You go, oh, no, Ronnie, <laughs> that's where you're wrong. See, I was immersed. I, I, went, I went down underwater and stuff, so I'm, I'm good. 
Now, my question is, when, when did you get baptized? Because, see, some of you, you were baptized as a kid, baby, whatever. Maybe even in this church. You were baptized in this church. Because your parents told you, oh, you need to go forward and get baptized because our whole family's joined the church, so you need to get baptized too and you need to join the church. Listen, your parents can't make that decision for you. You have to choose Jesus. And you cannot be scripturally baptized until you're saved to begin with. And some of you have never given your life to Christ until after you were baptized. And since that time, if you have not been scripturally baptized, you have not been baptized, according to what the Bible says. And you need to follow through and do it tonight. Because your baptism is out of order. You go, well, that's not that big a deal. I was baptized before. No, you got wet at church before. And it is a big deal. You know why it's a big deal? Because once you give your life to Christ, the first step that you're to follow through and do once you give your life to Christ is to follow through and be scripturally baptized to let everybody know. And if you won't obey him there, how are you going to obey him the rest of your Christian walk? No, it's right here, right now, tonight, following through and being scripturally baptized. You say, Ronnie, that, that's me. Because I've been, you know, I'm not sure, am I saved, am I not? I'm back and forth. I'm going to tell you the main reason why that happens is twofold. One, either sin in your life, or two, and I found this counseling thousands and thousands of people from all over the country, is this. Is that you've not been nailed down and been scripturally baptized since you've been saved. And you're going to keep struggling with that until you nail that down. So here's your chance tonight. It doesn't get any easier than this. So you say, how, how, what do I do? We're going to stand. When we stand, I'm going to pray. When I say amen, they're going to play this song. Pastor's going to be there. I'll be here. The youth pastor will be here. We'll have Brother Dave over here. You step out and come to one of us. We're going to take you to the back. We're going to show you where a private changing room is that you can dress and change. And you can come out here and you can follow through and be scripturally baptized and walk away in peace. Some of you are saying, Ryan, that's me. I haven't been scripturally baptized. Uh, maybe you were baptized first, whatever. Maybe, maybe you've never even had a chance to be baptized since you've been saved. You said, Ryan, that's me. I need to be scripturally baptized tonight. Can you do me one more favor? Can we bow our heads and close our eyes one more time? You said, Ryan, that's me. Would you pray for me about following through and making that decision tonight so I can have peace and just know for sure and take care of it? If that's you with heads bowed and eyes closed and you'd like for me to pray for you about that decision, would you look up at me right now and let me catch your eyes? Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Anybody else in this section here? Yes, ma'am, right there. On this side over here. Say, Ronnie, that's me. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Right through here. Yes, ma'am. Yes, got you right here. Anybody else through here? Just, just look up and catch your eyes. So you, anybody else over here? Uh, okay. So would you do me a favor? Those of you that looked up, I'm going to pray for you. And when I say amen, we'll be right here. And you come to us. I need a lot of deacons and their wives. Can every deacon and their wife, can y'all look up at me real quick? All deacons and wives? Every single, I need to know how many, how many I have. How many's in here? Okay. Hey, and I need your wives too, and I need uh, staff, all staff members. Uh, so when we stand, I pray, I say amen. If you'll come and stand on that front row right there and right there, and then we're just going to introduce you one of these folks. You take them right back there, pray with them, show them where the uh, clothes are and everything, and the private changing areas so they can come out and follow through and take care of this tonight, okay? So uh, deacons, counselors, encouragers, and their wives, staff members, when we stand, I say amen, you step out and come and help us, okay? Um, pastor, where are the clothes located? They're in the back. 
So you'll just take them when you get through counseling them. They'll show you where they are back there in the back. Can you do me a favor? Um, can our youth pastor go ahead and pastor, would y'all stand down here? And Brother David, would you go ahead and come on down here, please? So when we stand, I say amen. You step out and come. We'll be waiting for you right here. Can you do me a favor? Can we all please stand now with heads bowed and eyes closed? Heads bowed, eyes closed. As soon as I say amen, you step out and come. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to move right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You come on right now. Turn that up, please. Turn all the way up. Come on. Deacons, come help us, please.